Welcome to Lessons for Life, where we seek to learn, love, and live the Word of God. Now, here is James Long Jr. So what comes to your mind when you see this word stress? Maybe you're finding yourself overwhelmed by things that are happening in life. Maybe physically you know you're not taking care of yourself as well as you should. Maybe you're drinking too much or eating poorly or just not getting the exercise or taking care of yourself. You you used to go to church regularly, but now you stopped. And your marriage seemed to be going relatively well, but now you don't even speak with one another. You go and you find yourself staying at home and you're, you're overwhelmed with work as the pressures are there. Your boss is constantly putting more pressures upon you and you worry that if you can't do the work that you need to, you're going to find yourself losing your job. You're mortgaged up to the hilt and your credit card debt is high. And there's such pressure upon you. Now you have tuition that is going to come for colleges. And the cost of living just seems so high. And it just feels like it's so overwhelming. You want to, you want to get away and go on vacation. But you know that even as you go on vacation, you're spending money that you just do not have. You're feeling isolated. You're feeling aloof. Your, your body is, is breaking down. Your marriage is pulling apart at the seams. Your, your children seem to be doing okay, but there seems to be arguments day after day in the home. Can you relate to some of those things? Can you relate to the stress that people are under? Well, my name is James Long Jr., and this is Lessons for Life with James Long Jr. I am a pastor, a counselor, board-certified Christian counselor. I'm also a university professor with over 28 years of experience. And what I want to tell you is that there is an answer to the stressors that people have. There is an answer to the struggles that you have. And in this talk, what we want to do is give you a basic introduction to stress. Well, as you look at this picture, you'll see that this this tree is is broken down. There's a portion of it that seems alive, but there's an, another portion of it just seems like it's being eaten apart and it's dying. And maybe that's what it feels like in your life. You you feel isolated. You feel alone. There's a part of you that's alive, but there's another part of you that just seems like it's dying. And it feels like the dying part is taking over. Maybe you're finding yourself being sucked into this or shackled, and it's like you just can't stop. You're overwhelmed. What I want you to know is this. I want to teach you a strategy that we use in our counseling. And then what I want to do is apply that strategy to stress. So teach the strategy and then apply it to stress because I can tell you that there is freedom available. There is hope available. You can find your way out of the stressors that you're going through. You could find your way to hope and healing. Well, let's talk about the strategy first. The strategy, we call it, is the I-3A approach. I and then 3A approach. And the first letter is I, issue. And it could be many issues. What issue is this grouping of problem areas that you need to deal with. What we do is we ask you to come up with problem areas that you know that you're going to need to deal with in counseling. This is so important. And as you recognize these problem areas, what we're going to need you to do is to recognize that these problem areas have at least three levels to them. And here are the three levels, emotional level, the action level, 
and finally the heart level. So many people just try to target the emotions and they want to feel better. And maybe they'll take medication or maybe they'll speak with different people or maybe they'll, they'll use substances on their own, trying to feel better emotionally. But that's not deep enough. And then there's some people that will go to the place of an action level. They'll change it the way they think or a level of where they think or how they speak or how they act. And, and that's better, but it still doesn't go as far down as it needs to. What we need to do is to expose what the Bible calls your heart. The heart is seen in your cognition. It's your thoughts or beliefs. It is your affections. It's your passions and desires. And it's the volitional part of your life, your will, and how you will act. So what we need to do is first to understand the issue. Second, we need to understand the aim. And the aim of our lives should be to bring glory to God. As we, as we look, every one of us was created for the glory of God. And what God wants to do in our lives is he wants to display himself into this world. And we display God in the way we think. We display God in the way we speak. And we display God in the way we act. And as a result, what we see is that there's a gap. There's a gap between the issues of our lives and where we need to be. And that's where the gospel has to come in. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is that Jesus Christ left heaven and took on a human body, fully God and fully man, truly God and truly man. Jesus lived. He was incarnate. He was born as a human being. He lived every day from the womb to the grave for us. He took on our sin on the cross. He lived perfectly and righteously for you. And that in Christ, you can be forgiven and you can be freed. We're called to trust in the risen Lord who died on a cross and rose victoriously from the grave and now is seated at his Father's right hand. And if you trust in him, that gospel message, that Christ can free you and forgive you. And we're called in Christ to trust him and to obey him. See, that's the aim of our lives. The issues now show that their aim of our lives, where we need to be going now, there's a gap. And the gap needs to be corrected by adapting. We need to adapt. And what do we need to adapt? We need to change. We need to start to develop plans for change. These plans for change must be led by the Holy Spirit and must be in accordance to the Word. They can't just be our own plans for change. Our minds are not as high as God's minds. Our ways are not as good as His ways. So God has laid out for us a way to change. And by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the application of the word, we can change. And what we try to do in the counseling is to develop three plans. The first plan is what we'll call a daily plan. It is your plan that you're going to follow through every day in specific areas of your life to deal with the problem areas that you're struggling with. Then there's a second plan that we ask you to come up with. It's called an evacuation plan. You remember back when we were in school and we used to do these fire drills and, and now they do active shooter drills? Well, these drills are to prepare you in advance to evacuate the building should you need to when danger comes. Well, we want you to come up with a plan similarly to help you to evacuate from the temptations that you will struggle with. A daily plan, an evacuation plan, and then finally a forgiveness plan. A forgiveness or reconciliation plan. So many of the reasons why we struggle with stress is because we have been hurt by others or we have in our stress hurt others. And we need to seek forgiveness and we need to be able to grant forgiveness to others. So we'll develop those plans. Issue, aim, adapt, 
and then apply. Apply means this. It's the final step in the process. To have lasting change in your life, you need to stop certain things and you need to start other things. You need to put into practice what you've identified as your areas in need of change. You've identified the issues. You've seen the gap between your issues and the aim. You've come up with several plans to apply these things, these truths, to adapt in these ways. But now you need to apply what you've done. You need to grow in in the knowledge and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul in 2 Timothy said this, Practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your change. I I want you to practice these principles and I want you to immerse yourself in them and that others in your life will see change. Issue, aim, adapt, and apply. Well, let me give you the fifth point here and it's this, mature and share. See, as we grow in these ways, as we have identified the issues, as we look at to see the aim of our lives, as we've adapted, now we come to a place where we have applied it, and now we've grown in maturity. Maturity is seen in the fact that we have begun. I use this principle called the beg principle. The beg principle is employed in this step, and it's where you begin something. You you must start. But you must endure through this. It's not enough to develop good plans. You you must apply it in your life. And then when you apply it and you endure, you must continue through that. And now as you do that, you'll have growth. You will mature. Begin, endure growth. And see, that's what will happen. You will mature. And then as you mature, one of the incredible things is this. You will get the opportunity to share what you've learned with others. You you disciple other people. There's this great passage in, in 2 Timothy, and Paul says as he's writing his very last letter to his prodigy, his mentee, Timothy, he says, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others. What Paul was saying is this, I want you to take what I've taught you, Timothy, and I want you to apply it in your life. And then once you do it, I want you to teach others. And then what they're going to do is teach other people as well. So I want to use this I3A approach as we look at the topic of stress. So let's, let's look at first the issues. What we want to try to do is to understand the problem. And I want you to observe and identify this problem and the different layers of it. I want you to know that this, the sources of stress can be first environmental. Your environment bombards you with demands to adjust. You you must endure the weather or pollen or noise or traffic or air pollution. I I struggle with seasonal allergies, so pollen can be a a significant stressor. One of my favorite seasons is, is spring and fall here in the northeast of the United States. But the reality is, is that we oftentimes have pollen. And that seems to be such a significant stressor for me. That's an environmental stressor. Any environmental stressors that you can think of? For some of us, it's the noise. They can't seem to concentrate when there's a lot of noise. I lived in the New York City area for a number of years of my life. In fact, I used to commute into New York many days during my week, and and the traffic was just so immense. It could take hours to get into the city of New York City. Maybe that's a stressor for you. So what are some environmental stressors that you can think of? Jot some things down. Well, there's a second source of stressor that I want you to consider, and it's 
social stressors. You also must cope with social stressors that demand your time. People will demand your time and your attention. Maybe you have a job or job interviews, deadlines. You're competing for priorities in life. It, maybe it's school or work. Oftentimes it's interpersonal conflicts, financial problems. Maybe you've lost someone recently. Maybe you've lost a number of people recently. So many things come at us in a stressful way because of interpersonal relationships. So we have the environment, now we have the social. The third source of stress are physiological. Maybe it's the rapid growth of adolescence. You know, I was really a short kid when I went to high school. And then all of a sudden, it feel, felt like between my freshman and sophomore years, it's just like, wow, what happened? The rapid changes caused a lot of stress. Maybe, maybe you're a woman who's beginning menopause or you're in the middle of menopause. Maybe you struggle with exercise or poor nutrition, inadequate sleep, illness, injury. Maybe your body's breaking down because of aging. There are significant changes that can happen in your life. Muscle tensions, headaches, upset stomach, anxiety, even depression can find its beginning in this physiological portion of who you are. Environmental, social, physiological, cognitive. I will tell you that this, that this is probably one of the greatest areas where people struggle with stress right here in the way they think. Our brains interpret complex changes in our environment and body. And what it will do is it will turn on a stress response. As it turns on that stress response, we will find ourselves interpreting life in a certain way. We will be interpreting life in, in ways that we will see it pretty negatively. We will label our present circumstance and we will find ourselves predicting the worst case scenario. Perhaps you're a worrier and as your, as your mindset is there, you find yourself feeling overwhelmed and you're constantly saying, what if this and what if that? Maybe that's you. And that worry will lead to anxiety or, or maybe you're a victim. And you're constantly thinking about all the things that have happened around you and how much pain and troubles and trials that you've gone through. And it's like, I just can't do this. I am just so overwhelmed. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you're the perfectionist that is constantly putting more and more standards upon yourself, unrealistic standards upon yourself and others. I must, I should, you should, you must type of mindset. Or maybe you're a critic. And this critic is just constantly feeling overwhelmed to the point where you're feeling very low about yourself. You do not have a strong sense of your identity. You don't have a strong sense of confidence. Well, these two authors found in 1984 that stress can begin with your appraisal of your situation. And so you first must ask yourself this question. You must ask yourself questions about the stressors that you're dealing with. What anxious people and stressed people often do is they decide that the difficulty that they're having, the struggle that they're having, the event that they're dealing with is difficult, it's dangerous, it's painful, which is true. But then they decide that they do not have the resources to cope with it. That's the major problem. They do not believe that they have the ability to handle it. And because of that, they find themselves so overwhelmed with the stress and the struggles. And so now what we want to try to do is to try to figure out a way to deal with stress in a, in a godly and a righteous way. I want you to know that chronic stress can lead to disease in your life. 
we find a connection between chronic stress and hypertension, high blood pressure, migraine headaches, ulcers, chronic diarrhea. And so what happens is this, it can trigger significant issues in your life. It can throw you off dramatically. So what I want to do right now is this, I want to give you a uh, an inventory, a questionnaire, and I want you to answer these questions. And, and basically what I want you to do is if you could grab a piece of paper right now, I want you to look at each one of these questions and I want you to try to think about how you would handle or how you would answer these questions. So now, if this is true of you, then I want you to mark it. If it's not, I don't want you to mark it. Okay, so let's start. I ignore my own needs and just work harder and faster. And I should say this, as we go through this, I don't want you to overthink it. If it sounds true for you, just check it. If it doesn't, just pass it by. Okay, next. I seek out friends for conversation and support. Third, I eat more than usual. Fourth, I engage in some type of physical exercise. Fifth, I get irritable and take it out on those around me. Six, I take a little time to relax, breathe, and unwind. Seven, I smoke a cigarette or drink a caffeinated beverage. Eight, I confront my source of stress and work to change it. Nine, I withdraw emotionally and just go through the motions of my day. Ten, I change my outlook on the problem and put it in a better perspective. Eleven, I sleep more than I really need to. You're halfway home now. 12. I take some time off and get away from my working life. 13. I shop and buy something to make myself feel good. 14. I joke with my friends and use humor to take the edge off. 15. I drink more alcohol than usual. 16. I get involved in a hobby or interest that helps me unwind and enjoy myself. 17. I take medicine to help me relax or sleep better. 18. I maintain a healthy diet. 19. I just ignore the problem and hope it will go away. 20. I pray, meditate, and enhance my spiritual life. 21. I worry about the problem and I'm afraid to do something about it. And finally, number 22. I try to focus on things I can control and accept the things I can't. Okay, so now that's the list. What I want you to do for me is I wanted you to check off everyone that sounded like you, significantly like you. Now, as you do this, Jim Boyer's um, questionnaire, as you look at this, what I want you to consider is this, that 
the even numbers here tend to be more constructive tactics. If you look at it, what you'll see is the even numbers. I seek out friends for conversation. I engage in some type of physical activity. I take a little time to relax and breathe and unwind. I confront the source of my stress and work to change it. I change my outlook on the problem and put it in a better perspective. I take some time off. I joke with friends. I get involved in a hobby or interest. I maintain a healthy diet. I pray, meditate, and enhance my spiritual life. I try to focus on things that I can control. Those tend to be more positive. The odd ones here tend to be more negative or less constructive. I I ignore my own needs. I, I eat more than usual. I get irritable. I smoke or I drink. I, I withdraw emotionally. I sleep more than I really need to. I shop and buy things that make me feel better. I drink more alcohol. I take medicine to help me relax or sleep better. I ignore my problems. I hope they'll go away. I worry about the problem and I'm afraid to do something about it. So once again, as you look at your list, the even numbers are the ones that tend to be more constructive. The odd numbers tend to be less constructive. So so I want you to think about those and I want you to congratulate yourself on the even numbers that you've checked. But now I want you to go back and think about whether you need to make some changes in the in way, way you think or the way you behave. And I want you to look at some of those odd numbers and look at the odd number items that are there. And I want you to make some changes. And I want you to consider even adding some of the even numbers that you haven't tried yet. That's the issues. Now let's look at the aim. I want you to understand that there's hope. There's hope, biblical hope for lifetime principles of change, lifetime change in your life. I love this passage in Isaiah chapter 26. It says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. As you think about this passage, what I want you to see here is this, that you can have peace from God despite the conflict that you're going through. I want you to know that you can have this amazing sense of peace. And how do you do that? You must direct your thoughts towards God. And as you direct your thoughts towards God, he will replace those worrying with peace. He says, he will keep you. God will keep you in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon you because he trusts in you. Or how about this passage in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34, It says this, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, 
for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I want you to know that God needs to be first in your life. Give God first place in your life. He deserves it. Second, live one day at a time and deal with problems one step at a time. Do not worry about things because it doesn't help you. It will not free you. How about this other passage that I want you to consider in Matthew chapter 11 and verses 25 till the end. It says this, Jesus said, I thank my Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. And all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal. Come to me, all you who are laboring and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We have an open invitation from Christ. If we turn to Christ, he will provide rest from our burdens. How about this passage in John chapter 14? On the night that Jesus Christ was betrayed, he said this to his disciples. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. What Jesus is saying to his disciples is, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in him. We can rest our troubled hearts knowing that Jesus is in control regardless of the circumstances that are happening around you. There's another great passage in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 8, what Paul was saying right in the middle of this great eight, this great chapter, Romans chapter 8 in verse 18, Paul said this, he said, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I need you to develop a proper perspective towards life and an eternal one. I want you to think about the future. Don't get so overwhelmed and wrapped up in the problems of this day or your everyday life. We need to put our minds on who God is. Don't forget who put us here and why we are here. We're here to reflect him and to glorify him. Let me give you some more passages in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Verse 10, always carrying in the body the death so that the life of Jesus might also be reflected in our bodies. A little bit later on in this passage, in verse 16, it says this, We do not lose heart. Though our outward self is wasting away, our inward self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. How do you react in the midst of your difficult circumstances? See, our reactions reveal our character, and it also reveals our trust in God. Do you believe that you're like a jar of clay, verse 7, that God wants to show his surpassing power that belongs to God and not to us, that you may be afflicted, but God is working his work in your life and through your life? Now, let's give several more. This is so good to wrap your mind around what God says in his word. How about in Philippians chapter 4? 
Philippians chapter 4 is a major passage when we talk about anxiety and stress. It says in verse 4 and following, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, Brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Don't be anxious. Start praying to receive God's peace in your life. And as you pray to receive God's peace in your life, what he wants to do is do something dramatic in you, and then he wants to do something dramatic through you. Two more passages I want you to consider. In James chapter 1, James is writing to a group of believers that are under heavy persecution, and they're now needing to run away from their homes because they're getting overwhelmed with this persecution. And it's a passage that many of us know, and he he says in verses 2 and following, he says, "'Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness.'" And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be complete and perfect, lacking in nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways." What James was saying is this, we need to develop a proper perspective towards our problems. God uses the stress to develop character in us, godly character. He actually uses stress to help us grow. One last passage in in 1 Peter. There's so many verses in 1 Peter that I can use, but why don't we pull to this one verse that is so important for so many people. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says this, Casting all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. I want you to know that we must let God have all our cares, all our worries. He's watching over you. He's watching over every concern of your life. He He often will not eliminate those trials, but he does give you the strength to endure and cope with those difficulties. Let the pressures of life press you closer into God. So I want you to know that there's hope, that there is I just pulled out a handful of verses. Scripture gives you promise after promise and pledge after pledge of what God wants to do in your life and through your life. Issue, aim, adapt, and apply. Okay, so now let's try to bring it home and let's try to look at some things that you can do for principles of growth and what what you need to adapt in your life and what you need to apply. Now let's go back to that passage that the the questionnaire that we took earlier. And many of those principles in there you could look and apply as well, but let me give you some additional things I want you to think about. I want you to strive for a healthy, positive, realistic and biblical outlook on life. 
I, I often tell my clients to create this T-chart. And what we do is I'm draw a line down the middle of the paper and then a line across the top. In the left-hand column, we have them write down their automatic thoughts, their unfiltered thoughts. And in the right-hand column, we have them write down the truths, the things that they must believe. So I want you to start to develop a more healthy, positive, realistic, a biblical outlook on life. Second, I want you to avoid minor irritations that cause stress. Maybe there's certain things that you know irritate you, and, and you may want to try to avoid those things that are going to increase your stress. I want you to also reduce the number of major life changes occurring at any one time. Uh, for some of us, and I know for me, sometimes I take on way too much, and sometimes I have to look at the list, and I need to put it in priority and say that this is more important to deal with right now, and I'll put something at a lesser priority to the side right now, because if you have too many things in life, you're not going to accomplish anything well. Seek support from your family, your friends, or maybe professionals, counselors that can be there to help you. Run to people. When we're in stress, you remember those pictures I showed you earlier on? When we're in stress, oftentimes what we do is we avoid other people. And what we need to do is to find people. I want you to remind yourself that God is with you. How many of those passages reminded us that God is with us wherever we go? You will never find yourself away from God. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Pray about your situation. Oftentimes what we do is not spend enough time going vertically to God. Prayer is how we communicate to God. God communicates to us through his word. We need to communicate to God through prayer. Learn to say no at times when your schedule is full. Uh, you know, as a counselor, I want to help so many people, but it's been, it's been so comforting to me to be able to say at times, no, I can't do this. One, it reminds me that I, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I can't be there. I'm not omnipresent. I'm not all-powerful. I'm not all-knowing. I'm not the only counselor that is out there. So I need to be able to say no when my schedule is full. You need to do the same. I need you to lessen your load. I need you to write down all your cares and responsibilities in order of priority and eliminate the least important ones, as we talked about earlier. Call a halt before you reach a limit. Know where your limit is and be able to say, no, I've got to stop. You know, not only is your schedule full, but you know when you've reached your limit. Meditate and memorize scripture. So important to not just be able to read a passage of scripture, but to let it saturate in your mind and to memorize it. Almost like creating a mental filing cabinet so that the Holy Spirit can go to you and to that mental filing cabinet and say, hey, James, here's a verse of scripture that you need to apply in your life. Let go of situations that you cannot control and that you can't change. There's so many of us that spend so much of our lives trying to change things that we can't rather than focusing on things that we can. So let go of the situations that you cannot change or cannot be changed. I want you to exercise regularly. Exercise will help you to be healthier. It will burn off that excessive adrenaline. When we are heavily under stress, adrenaline ramps up in our body. And if we exercise, we will burn off some of that excessive adrenaline that comes from that fight-flight model in our bodies. I want you to learn to be more effective in the way you communicate. I want you to resolve conflicts with people. Purpose to do that. Don't avoid it. Believe it or not, avoiding dealing with these situations will actually increase your conflict and increase your stress and increase your anxiety. 
Learn to manage your time effectively and organize yourself. Set priorities and plans in your life. Take time off of work and get away completely. A a vacation. Maybe it's just a day off. Maybe it's a walk. I'll tell you, in between sessions, sometimes I'll just go for a walk. And I'll take a 10-minute walk just in between a session. And just that little time away can really help. I want you to relax. I want you to restore yourself. I want you to decrease or discontinue the use of caffeine. Believe it or not, caffeine actually exacerbates anxiety, believe it or not, yes. So I want you to decrease it, or if you can, discontinue it from your life. Get some proper sleep. And when you get proper sleep, I want you to also reframe the way you think about things. This will help not only change your thoughts, but it will also impact your feelings and your actions. I want you to learn to forgive others. I want you to reconcile broken relationships. And and lastly, maybe do a study on the topic of, of anger, of shame, of fear, of guilt. These are underlying issues that also connect to, um, to stress. Maybe find biblical solutions to these problems. All of these life struggles, God has solutions to your problems. So I want you to think about that. Okay, so as we close, I want you to think about stress. Stress is a major issue in so many people's lives, but you can de-stress. You can find your way out towards freedom. You could relax. You could reduce maybe not the stressors that are happening around you, but you can learn to manage the stressors better within you. And I I hope this is going to be helpful to you. I pray that you're going to apply these things in your life. Remind yourself that God is at work in your life and through your life. Let me end with this. I want you to remind yourself of this, that, that God wants to bless you and keep you. He His face, if you're in Christ, is shining upon you, and he's so gracious to you. He's lifting up his countenance, his face to you, and he wants to grant you peace. Live in that peace today. Breathe it in. Stay firmly focused on Christ, his cross, the gospel, and the fact that Jesus Christ has ascended to heaven, that heaven awaits us where there is no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more death, and that Jesus is right now advocating and praying for you at his Father's right hand if you're in Christ. And if you're not, take today to be the day that you're going to turn to Christ and say that I trust you, Lord. I, I, I recognize my sin, my areas of brokenness in my life. And I desperately need you. I trust you as my Savior, as my Lord. Please forgive me. Please free me. Please heal me. Blessings, everyone. This has been Lessons for Life with James Long, Jr. We hope you've been blessed. For more information, go to jameslongjr.org.